0: Hey, it's the Football Outsiders live stream. We're live now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders Thursday live stream on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and in the widget on the corner of our website. This direction. And uh, I'm Aaron Schatz, uh, editor in chief of Football Outsiders. Would like to welcome you all to the show. My guests today, Mike Tanier, joining us as always on Thursday. J.P. Acosta is joining us as well, and we have a special guest for the first part of the show, Arif Hassan from The Athletic Minnesota, so that we can preview tonight's game and talk about what is going on with the Vikings. So first, just to let you all know about tonight's game, it's a really important game for two teams that are on the outskirts of the playoff race. So the Vikings make the playoffs in 41% of our simulations when they win this game, 19% when they lose. The Steelers 40% when they win, 12% when they lose. And you can probably tell by the um, by the, the the fact that the current odds are closer to the Vikings winning and the Steelers losing, that the system thinks that the Vikings should be kind of heavily favored in this game. I believe they're favored by three. Um, So this brings us to the question, DVOA really thinks the Vikings are actually a pretty good team at 11. How on earth did they get to five and seven? What the hell went wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Or what's wrong with DVOA? (laughs) Well, it's interesting because all the usual reasons why a team might be heavier, uh, higher than its record do do not really apply here. They don't have particularly good fumble luck. Um, or bad fumble luck. They do have played an average schedule, so it's not a schedule strike thing. Um, CCX3 believes this game has to end in a tie, yes. which, yes. If, it's a, if it's possible, it was tie with both teams blowing
1: it egregiously at the end would be the seems to be the <laughs> proper way to finish it. But kinda, I kind of hope it ends on a big Ben hail Mary that only goes like 15 yards.
2: Oh, yeah. that would be, that would be perfect. It'd actually be fairly reminiscent for uh, Vikings fans because they did have a game where Christian Ponder threw what should have been a 50-yard Hail Mary that went about 35 yards. Uh, and so.
0: <laughs> and that, that concludes our Christian Ponder coverage for 2021. I feel like, I feel like um, Kirk Cousins is so emblematic of this team because I've said for years, that there is no player where there's a bigger discrepancy between how film people view him and how the stats view him than Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Minnesota is third in the league this year in offensive pass DVOA, third. And by the way, it's not just us. I believe that Cousins is like second or third in pro football Focus's quarterback grades this year, which sounds insane. Because that is, that is film study. That's not really stats as much as it's film study. And yet this team is five and seven, like what has happened to the Vikings who we all thought, you know, well, Mike didn't think, but I mean, I thought they had a lot go wrong for them last year. They would be healthier this year. Their defense would be better this year. They were going to be a wild card contender. I mean, technically, they're still a wild they, Yeah, card they take – if, but... if
2: the in-the-hunt graphic that they posted uh, during the Lions game was one of the most depressing things I've seen. It was a bunch of five and seven teams. Uh, remarkable indictment of the 14-team playoff system. Mm. <laughs> in but... a 17-game
0: season, that means you have to – it's true true. if we were at 12 playoff teams at this point it would basically be it's the rams and then it's a bunch of teams competing for the last spot but let's be honest the 49ers are the best of those teams and then we could just move on with our lives yeah and it would it would functionally be a bunch of good teams instead of a bunch of teams
2: that are competing for that seventh spot that i think not very many people have i mean because the eagles have a pretty reasonable shot at that the quarterbackless Saints have a pretty reasonable shot at that. <laughs> like it's 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 not wonderful for, for the for the seventh seed in the NFC.
3: How can you say that a team with Taysom Hill with a cast on his finger?
1: <laughs> I was gonna say they have the forty million dollar NFT at quarterback. I I think <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah they've got they've got uh god's laundering machine no for sure <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: he's a he's a human nft that's it that's we figured out tasem my god <laughs> yeah no um to, to that point about how minnesota
2: you know got to five and seven mm-hmm. despite having um you know fairly good DBA, fairly good epa fairly good um you know rate based statistics as well as um like you mentioned uh Most of kind of the luck-based measures that determine whether or not regression is going to occur in the future have actually fallen in Minnesota's favor, like fumble recovery rate. Um, I think offensive red zone rate, for example, has been in Minnesota's favor as well. That tends to regress a little bit, Um, and and there are like a couple of others. I think like in terms of. uh, uh, turnover rate versus tr- uh, turnover-worthy plays. Uh, the Minnesota defense has been on the positive end of. They've been able to convert uh, turnover-worthy plays. From yeah, one turnovers one rate. of the
0: things that I track is passes defense because, in general, like 20 or 21% of passes defense will turn into interceptions. It's like a very rough way to look at interception law. Minnesota's had 40 passes defense yeah. on offense and three interceptions. That's the best <laughs> rate in the week.
2: Yeah, it's 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 wild, uh, and uh, and and despite that, like you said, they're five and seven. Part of it um, is you know every game they've been in is close, except for the Seahawks game. So they've had um, eleven of twelve, or, or something like a twelve of thirteen. I, I forget how many games they've played,
0: but uh, every game but one. Uh, eleven and twelve end- have been one score games. Yeah, they're yeah. very consistent. Consistent. And, and my, I mean,
2: one of those one score games was was an eight point game, but it's still it's a one score game. Uh, And I think the NFL record is 14 in a season, which is that that must have sucked to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Vikings are uh, four and six in, uh, in in those games. And so you know, in theory that'll regress back, but you also have to consider who they're playing against and, and what those close games mean. And, and you wish that that would tell you something, right? Because if they've had close games against good teams and lost to those teams, that would mean that they're a good team. And that going forward, you would imagine that they would win. And that's something that they've had two close games against the Lions, one of which they lost. Right. But they also had close games against the Ravens and the Cardinals. Right. Uh, and, and, and the Bengals kind of depends on if you think they're a good team, but um, you know, they, they had a close game against the Panthers, and they're a bad team now. Like It's, it's, it's so tough to figure out what the Vikings are. Um, they are anything but an average team. They're either bad or they're good. Uh, and I think from a statistical perspective, those good games, for whatever reason, are kind of overweighting the sample. I don't really know why that is. Um, the the funny
0: thing is, that's not how our numbers have them. They, we actually have them as the most consistent team in the league. Oh hmm. well, yeah, but that's games- that's
2: like a play-to-play. Like the variance is like 32 or something like
0: that, right? Like, no, that's no, a, no. Is that a play-to-play play or, lowest, or game a game-to-game? Week-to-week, week, they have the lowest variance in the league. That's why all, all their games come out as average. They've been kind of bad against the good teams and kind of good against the bad teams, but not good enough to win by a lot, not bad enough to lose by a lot. So everything <laughs> is kind of close to average, and they're just kind of close to average all the time. I but, think but, that- they, but you watch them play, and it never feels like that. I think, yeah, I know. Believe me, I know. I know it doesn't feel like that, but they have actually
1: been really consistently average. I think the computer factored in, in the Vikings heart attacker, which means like <laughs> everyone's <laughs> going to end in a heart attack. Well, but. one
0: thing is that that's week to week and not play to play. And I know because you wrote about it this week, Arif, one of the problems they have is they've given up a ridiculous number of points at the end of halves. Yeah. That's in-game inconsistency, which is not what I'm measuring. But, like, all of a sudden at the end of the half, they're like, okay, we forgot how to play defense, thanks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think something like uh, 30%, which that statistic didn't make my piece, but, like, something like 30% of the points they've given up have come at the end of the first half, in the final two minutes of the game, or the final two minutes of the half, which is nuts. Uh, The amount of points that they've given up, it's, it's six per game in the final two minutes, which, you know, a touchdown per game, uh, that that sounds like a lot and it turns out it is. It's historically the most in terms of uh, the database that goes back to 2000 that I was able to look at. The distance between them and number two is the same as the distance between number two and number 33. Uh, and I mean, going back to 2000, so out of 703 teams or 702 teams. Um, so the distance between one and two is the same as the distance between two and 33 and the distance between... Uh, 33 and 311 or something crazy like that like it is an enormous difference between what they've been what they've given up at the end of halves and sometimes it's two field goals to the same team uh at the end of halves is what (laughs) happened to detroit uh i think against the Bengals, it was two touchdowns that they gave up in the final two minutes just wild what they've what they've done um and they're also the only team in the league to have uh, a six-point lead in every single game they've
3: played and, and you can't say because of the way you described it. Sometimes it's two scores. So it's not like, well, it's bad clock management. You know, we give the ball back. We don't manage this. It seems like, like there's no one root cause for giving up all those points. Or did No. You
2: uh, I mean, the when the 49ers got the touchdown, it was on an eight-minute drive, right? It <laughs> yeah, just happened to occur in the final two minutes. And so it's like I don't, I don't know what to make of that because if it was just two-minute defense, you could say, well, there's something structurally in the Vikings' two-minute defense. And there is, right? Um, probably. But, like, there's also – like, they're not this bad at the end of games, even though they are also bad at the end of games. They're not this catastrophically bad at the end of games. That's also a two-minute defense. Uh, and so I don't really know what to to make of a lot of this. I mean, the the, the Bengals' 50-yard touchdown was uh, was Bashad Breland's just not fast enough, and he got injured on the play. But I, I think him not being fast enough was the cause, not the other way around. Um, but, I mean <laughs> – I mean, when you're when you're straining, you'll learn a hamstring, right? Yeah. Um, but but uh, against the Cardinals, it was just a blown coverage. You know, the, Mackenzie Alexander, Patrick Peterson um, didn't fill in, and so Rondell Moore got a 77-yard touchdown. That's a completely different class uh, of problem. Against the 49ers, they couldn't defend against the run on an eight-minute drive, right? That's a different class of problem. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it's. They get beaten on the fundamentals. Sometimes they blow a coverage. Sometimes uh, a quarterback makes a nuts throw that is not really indicative of anything that, that, you know, is, is problematic with the defense. It's just how the games work. And so there isn't really a consistent issue that you can point to that, that you can say, Hey, the Vikings can do this and fix this here. All I know is that when they practice, they they apparently are quite good at two
1: minute defense, but you know, that's against the Kirk cousins offense. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I was doing some research on uh, Vikings. One of the things that I noticed is in the first half of games, our DVOA has them at third. But then in late and close game situations, they go to 24th. Mm. And then in the third quarter, they're 23rd in DVOA. So it's kind of – they play really good for that, like, first, like, 12 minutes. But then coaches always talk about that middle eight, which is the final four minutes of the first half, first four minutes finish the second half. And they just completely, like, go – a wall yeah describe it yeah xavier woods actually brought that up i think
2: around week five you know we were like hey what's going on end of halves beginning of the third quarter uh and he said yeah those middle eight yeah we suck we're awful at the (laughs) i was like all right yeah i mean you know i didn't have to say it Uh, and he's like yeah so we got to figure out what we're doing in order to resolve that. And they I believe they've gotten better at the top of the third quarter over the course of the season. They were pretty bad at the top of the third quarter for a good chunk of it. They've gotten a little bit better at that, but they've remained bad at the end of the second half, um, which, I mean, they're two completely different situations, right? right? What's interesting is that the Vikings are a really good team in overtime, which, you know, it's a small sample size, but it's also three games for some reason.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And on those drives, they've actually been a really effective overtime team, and so they go from a really bad end of game team, end of half team to a really good overtime team. And you'd imagine if you know if they're a poorly conditioned team that that wouldn't be the case, right? And so it it seems unlikely to me that some of the explanations that you might use um, apply here. But in overtime, uh, sometimes or well, most of the time, there's no time pressure, and you can run your normal offense and defense. And so it very much seems like the Vikings are really great at just normal football and awful at situational football, which is kind of the Kirk Cousins thing, yeah. right? Um, but the fact that it also applies to the Vikings defense, which historically has actually been pretty good at situational football, uh,
0: really magnifies that problem.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I guess that brings up the question of how much of that would you put on the coaching staff? What is what is the sort of current feeling among Vikings fandom about the coaching staff and Zimmer and and whether it's hot seat time. They want him
2: gone. Uh Vikings <laughs> fans just want him gone. Um mm-hmm. I mean it's tough. He's like he's nearly I think he's like a five seventy or a nearly six hundred coach. Tough to find. I think he's seventh or eighth in active winning percentage among coaches. And some of those coaches are like Mike McCarthy, right? So I don't really count yeah. that um but uh the fact that zimmer's done it with like five different quarterbacks over his tenure with the vikings i think is impressive i think it's very difficult to do what he's done given the circumstances he's been in uh and and it, it would be tough to find a better coach than zimmer but if the goal is only to win a super bowl and not just generally be good it very much seems like uh you'd want to move on uh now historically that doesn't actually track like if you're a good coach you tend to end up being a good coach in the playoffs even if you screwed it up early on. Um, like, I think a great example, of course, is Andy Reid. But um, it, it, it very much just feels like you're running into a wall. Uh, and I think that's why Vikings fans want to move on.
3: What about your general manager, who I assume is safe? But
2: a lot I don't of... think he's safe. No? Uh, yeah. So, over the past three contract extensions that they've given Zimmer, okay. um, they have uh, matched year for year. Uh, the contract extensions for Spielman, and so they very strongly implied that the two are kind of um tied at the hip. Uh, and and I would imagine that uh, if, if Zimmer's gone, Spielman is gone as well. Um, so and and Spielman's had like a, a very long you know tenure with the Vikings. I mean, he arrived in 2005, was promoted to general manager in 2012. I mean, he's been around for a while and and hasn't you know built a winner, whatever that means um and uh and and i think that if you move on from zimmer i think you're probably looking for a reset of sorts now i, I think that if they did hire a new uh general manager it, there's a very good chance that their candidate would be internal so it wouldn't be an enormous reset or anything like that mm-hmm. but the issue is clearly not talent evaluation right i mean the vikings are a very talented team and they've been a very talented team yeah. Uh, it, it seems to be ability to find a quarterback, which has been Spielman's biggest problem,
3: um, and uh, the ability to kind of close out. And, and, and the cap management element of things where you're now, the diminishing returns, which I think I talk about, and we're going to talk about the cap a little bit, I'm sure, in a moment, where you're just keeping this wildcard nucleus together for more and more money every year.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, it's It's a, you know, it's a quote-unquote playoff team, and yeah. playoff players cost a lot of money. Uh, and so it, it limits your ability to, to generate improvement through cap savings, especially because they do make some pretty odd decisions with regards to cap management. That's not even in reference to the Cousins contract. They have two nose tackles that cost like $10 million a year, right? <laughs> like, right, I,
3: right. I, I don't know, man. And and I always say like every time they make an extension, okay, we're going to ex- extend Barr. We're going to extend Harrison Smith. Every extension in isolation makes sense. But then the combination of right. all of them is like, this is going to be the same team now for three more years and the dudes are 29, 30, 31, 32 and it's like when you put that all together you're not you're not advancing you're just sort of you're just sort of holding serve at a level yeah, yeah.
0: I think when we talk about Zimmer failing in the playoffs there haven't been many years where we were like oh the Vikings are one of the top 4 teams and they failed in the playoffs it feels like every year the Vikings are like the 12th best team. And then they right. fail in the playoffs because that's what you're supposed to do when you're the 12th. best team.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when they beat the saints, it was a bit of a surprise. Right. And then they ran into the 49ers and got stomped. And I don't think anybody was surprised. Right. Uh, you know, least of all Vikings fans. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, failing in the playoffs is 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 one thing, but failing to meet expectations, sometimes that's a, a different thing entirely and I think that the difference between the two is pretty well encapsulated by the Vikings. The only time that they've failed in the playoffs in a manner where they didn't weren't expecting to was in 2017 um when of course they got they got popped by Nick Foles who was unstoppable, obviously. <laughs> So, uh, and so uh, that, that was kind of the, and, but they were like a, of course, uh, and, but they, they were, of course, a, a defense forward team. And so that, that is more likely for a defense forward team to just kind of collapse in the middle of the playoffs uh, than it is for an offense forward team. Uh, and, you know, that's exactly what happened to Jaguars with the worst quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, the Vikings wrongly thought that if they kept the same defense and, but improved at quarterback that they, you know, have some more shots, which is the whole genesis of 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 going after cousins in the first place, you know, because Cousins is a better quarterback than Keenum. But you can't carry all the insane luck Keenum had over into the next year either. Right? right. And so uh that was that was just kind of the the way that they and I don't know I don't know if you're a general manager how you you don't blow it up after 2017. I don't know how you handle that any differently necessarily right. than the Vikings did, especially because they didn't have a first round pick. Um <laughs> so like I don't know. Like, I don't know what you do differently if you're them, but uh, that, that was just kind of the way uh, you know, the cards were dealt. And that's the only time I think where, where the expectations
0: were for them to succeed and they didn't. Um, CCX3 says there's no logic to moving on from cousins. Right. And that gets us to the question of where the Vikings go from here, because whether they actually come back and win the wild card, which you know, there's still a reasonable chance of because of the fact that there's now seven teams in the NFC, or they don't. Either way, this team is in really bad salary cap shape for next year over the com has them 29th currently in salary cap space yeah. hmm. for 2022. So what happens with cousins? And then what happens with the rest of the team? Like, how do they rebuild this to try to get better? Yeah,
2: well, one of the reasons that uh, this this happened is in part because, like you mentioned, like the Anthony Barr extension, right? They kept on kicking the can down the road, and then they right. decided, you know, hey, I I don't know if this Anthony Barr thing is going to work out, but the only way that they could structure a deal that got them out of the Anthony Barr contract was to create one with which had voids uh, yeah. in the it, at the end of the at the end of the contract, and that it's a very nice cap trick that a lot of teams are using now. But one of the problems is that there's going to be a year where that guy is going to cost cap space and not be on your roster, which happens to be next year where Anthony Barr is not going to be on the roster because the contract automatically voids. And he's costing like 9.8 or something like that in, in cap space. Uh, And that's, that's just the nature of that particular contract trick. Um, You know, the cousins, I believe is going to be number three in, in cap hit next year at 45 million. Um, And, and he's not a $45 million guy. It's fully guaranteed because, Because that's how Cousins negotiates contracts. Good for him. But
3: goodness. they're gonna extend them. They're gonna extend I, them another year. And they're gonna send them another two years to spread it out. And this is where it becomes like a revolving debt situation. I so I think that
2: this is kind of one of those if they if they make the playoffs and keep Zimmer and keep Spielman, they're gonna extend Cousins. But if they don't, if they fire Spielman and Zimmer, they could attempt to do, you know, what Reggie White did back when it was the Oakland Raiders and just take on like $70 million in debt cap mm-hmm. and just blow it up and move on, right? That could be yes. a
0: possibility. Reggie, um, um, McKenzie. McKenzie. not Reggie White, yeah, Reggie, oh my Reggie God. I got
2: I got tricked McKenzie. by the... He's, he's the, watching this. Yeah, I'm seeing that, yeah. Reggie, well... <laughs> I'm sure Reggie White would have done the same thing. Yes. Uh, no, Reggie McKenzie, uh, back with the Raiders. We, I, I still think that taking on two years of $70 million of dead cap space was like an unheralded hero move by him. But,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, here, I, And then he got swept
2: away. Yeah. And then he's like, bye, see you. Right, right. Um, but I, I think that, uh, that that's a possibility. Or they could attempt to trade Cousins. I don't know who would be in the market. Obviously, whoever trades for him is going to do an extension. Um, but that's possible too, especially now that we finally have a year where no one really believes in the, in the draft class of quarterbacks. Right. Um, then that makes it possible that like, I don't know, maybe the Broncos, you know, people keep saying they're a quarterback away, which is, you know, the most dangerous phrase in football. Um, but you know, that, I mean, it's, it's possible if the Broncos don't get Rodgers, which seems less likely um, now than it did, you know, kind of earlier in the season um, that you could find a trade partner for Cousins. So you move on from him, probably t- absorb some of that cap hit, as part of the trade negotiation uh, and then um, see what you can do with the, with a with the quarterback in Kellen Mond, and then hope that next year that you can, you can draft a guy and, and give whoever the new general manager and whoever the new coach is basically a free year to evaluate whoever's left on the roster. So it is possible to move on from cousins, but it's also like, it, it requires a lot of like gritting your teeth and taking a lot of pain in the process, which is how cousins negotiated the contract props to him.
3: All right.
0: Um, Patrick Seeley makes a comment here about the Shanahan system has too many limits. Baker, Cousins, Jimmy G, Goff, maybe the system is the problem, or the quarterbacks aren't
3: any good and look better in the system. I mean, two, I, two Super Bowl quarterbacks, teams that went to the Super Bowl, by the way, just throwing that out there. Yeah,
0: I, I feel like there's not really a major problem with the Shanahan system, and he also says if you can't get the run game going, it kind of shuts down, but I will point out And this is surprising to me because Davon Cook and Alexander Madison. But right now, the Vikings are 29th in run offense and third in pass offense. So despite the fact that the running game has not gotten going as much as they want and they've been missing their number one running back for part of the year, the passing game has been really good. Yeah, I think the...
2: I think the issue with the Shanahan system is not with the system. I think it's a good system. Like most systems are. I think the issue is that the thing that it's good at is tricking you, which is it it can elevate bad quarterbacks to being pretty good. uh, But those quarterbacks then can't be elevated once again to be great. And so you can be tricked into thinking that your mediocre quarterback is good or that your bad quarterback is average or that your average quarterback is great. um, When in fact, Uh, that's not the case. So I think if you pair a great quarterback with that system, you're in a really good spot, right? And I think the 2016 Falcons are a fantastic example of that, right? you know, it, the, the collapse in the Super Bowl was not the Shanahan system's fault. It yeah. was a bunch of other factors that also has to include the Falcons' defense. Like, I, that never gets brought yeah. up. Yes, yeah,
0: like they allowed two two-point two conversions when there was no way for the Patriots to come back unless they got those two-point conversions. I mean, just a lot of dominance. Yeah, to
2: fall. yeah. And, and so that's not a Shanahan system thing. Um, that's just that's just kind of the nature of how how games work sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the system can maybe fool you into believing that these quarterbacks... Um, can be elevated against uh, defenses that are designed to stop the system in whatever way. Um, Like for example, when the Patriots decided that a nose tackle would be a great way to stop CJ Anderson uh, because they can only do inside zone with him instead of outside zone or whatever, right? Like whatever particularities of that system can be stopped by the unique matchups that an opposing defense has a quarterback has to overcome. That's exactly what happened when uh, Kirk cousins went up against Shanahan in the playoffs uh, in, in 2019, where uh, you know Shanahan probably saw the Packers game and saw you know the end man of the line of scrimmage stop biting on the run and started attacking the quarterback. The Packers allowed like six yards of carry to Dalvin Cook in those games, by the way, and they right. did not care. They they just said we'll send Darius Smith after Kirk Cousins, and if Cousins can outrun Darius Smith, fantastic, power to <laughs> him. But I bet he can't, and they were right. Uh, and so the boot play action stuff didn't work. Right. But, you know, some some teams have answers for that when when the boot play action system doesn't work. The Vikings now have an answer for that when the boot action doesn't work. Uh, And so it's I think it's less the Shanahan system um, having a ceiling more than it being able to trick you into believing that the quarterbacks in the system may not have a ceiling when sometimes they do. Uh, and also, I I don't really think that we're we're learning anything about Baker Mayfield this year. I think the injury stuff is, is, is too important for us to really evaluate him as a quarterback. Unfortunately, it's a contract year, so he doesn't yeah. get that luxury, but I
1: do. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they evaluate Baker Mayfield because of all the injuries to him and to everybody on that offense. Like what you were saying with the Shanahan system, I think a lot of the problems that you see with elevating quarterbacks and tricking people into thinking that they're good it's kind of like what the Shanahan system does to opposing defenses. It tricks you with all the motion and all the misdirection into believing one thing's happening, then the, then another thing happens. But when it's time to go to that standard drop-back passing, we saw that with the Rams with Jared Goff. It's why they brought in Matthew Stafford to get better at the standard drop-back passing game. When you don't have that, teams can key in on the boot action, like you said, and just send your inbound line after the quarterback. So It's not necessarily like limit within the system but a limit to the quarterback within the system like
2: yeah yeah and so so if you've successfully engineered your mediocre quarterback to being pretty good you you have to it's it's now on you as a coach or front office to do a more honest job of evaluation of what's on your roster and so it's a perception issue internally rather than it is a structural issue within the system and so um, and Patrick Sealy just mentioned that, like, hey, they're running that system in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good quarterback. Looks like it's working out for them. And like, yeah, you've got a good uh, you've got a good drop back quarterback there. Uh, and, you know, lo and behold, you know, Green Bay Packers are fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a limitation with kind of the perceptive tricks the system creates for you, but it does not structurally prevent you from hitting
0: extraordinarily high ceilings. Right, the problem is that they've got one more year of Cousins on contract, and if they wanted to get rid of Cousins, there aren't, you know, nobody thinks this is a good quarterback class, so there'd be a year
3: of pain and then maybe getting a quarterback in the with the 2023 class, which is very good. Right. And your really young, youthful assets on the roster are Jefferson and… <laughs> Christian Garrosaw? The one it's Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and Longu, yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of I guys
2: mean, I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. The the offensive lineman Christian Deresa, yeah. um, Brian O'Neill, okay. uh, to some extent, Ezra Cleveland. I mean, he's been having a much better year this year after he switched to the left side. Yeah. Uh, you have to figure out kind of the other two positions, but um, you know, those are players that you can kind of count on. Um, I imagine fullbacks don't age too poorly. So C.J. Ham, he's been a key part of the offense for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he's he's, he's going to be around back. for
3: a while. I don't think you took a breath and we reached the fullback. So I think yeah, it-
2: well, it's you know we're we're talking about Shanahan systems, right? Got to talk about the fullback. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so those are those are your young ones, uh, and then obviously Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne. I think is going to continue to be a really excellent mm-hmm. wide receiver three. Don't think that you know the Vikings should count on him to be consistently elevated to a wide receiver one position or anything like that. But, um, you know the Vikings would not be wrong to uh, in what I think is like the third or fourth consecutive great receiver class to see if they can find a long-term replacement for Adam Thielen in the draft. Um, and then you, you're really set up offensively to, to find your new quarterback uh, as it were in the, in the, in the coming years. But yeah, um, it it seems like, Hey, you've got some limitations on, on the offense, but I think it's the sixth youngest offense in the NFL. So mm-hmm. there are, there are opportunities to kind of rebuild and keep a lot of that offense. you just, Probably are not going to count on Adam Thielen to be a big part of that going forward. Um, Dalvin Cook is old in running back years, so you're probably not going to count on him, you know, two years down the line, especially with his injury history. Um, but you know, you could spend a third or fourth round pick. I mean, they're not, it's the Vikings will spend a first round pick, but you could, in theory, spend a third or fourth round pick at running back and 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 kind of resolve that
0: problem. Uh, Patrick Shealy, by the way, also asked about Kellen Mond, who was a third rounder. Third round, I mean, what about um, him? And obviously, yeah, I, I don't actually want to.
2: Yeah, I don't want to give up on him or anything like that. I don't want to say they have to get a first round quarterback. You know, I'm not gonna say that Calamond is not gonna progress or anything like that. He has looked truly awful in practices in the preseason. Um, he he does not look ready or anything like that. But I mean he's a third round rookie, right? Like I who cares? He's a third uh, round reach
3: as a rookie Yeah,
2: yeah, third round reach as a rookie? So like um it, it doesn't it that doesn't bother me too much. Um his his issues are um, kind of related to timing uh, more than anything else. You know, he just doesn't understand the timing of the offense. He had to miss a, a good chunk of the middle of training camp because of uh, COVID protocol concerns. Uh, and and so, you know, he never really got in rhythm with the offense. Uh, Jake Browning looked like a better quarterback than him, and that's always a red flag. Um, but, um, you know, they, I, I've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks turn it around in, in one year, which is not to say that they will, just that they can, right? And so I don't want to write off Kellen Mond or anything like that. Um, given, you know, his his you know apparent draft capital that there might be something there. So um I I wouldn't say that the Vikings should give up on Kellen Mon, but I also don't think that his, you know, existence on the roster should prevent them from doing anything
0: either. I think he can just be a happy accident if he turns out to be the, really good. The answer to who cares about a third round rookie quarterback, by the way, is the Houston, Houston Texans. Texans. Yeah. Houston Texans. <laughs> the answer. So let's talk about this game tonight and what you think. I mean, obviously the Steelers are as frustrating a team as the Vikings are, maybe a little less because the advanced stats don't think that the Steelers are really good. Like they think that the Vikings, I mean, they don't think the Vikings are really good. They don't think that the Steelers are good the way they think that the Vikings are good. But the Vikings are favored by three in this game against the Steelers. Obviously the Steelers have great pass rush and... Um, You know, you talked about if the great pass rush just keeps going after the quarterback, even if he's play actioning and rolling out, then that helps to neutralize the whole Shanahan offense. I don't know what will happen with TJ Watt tonight.
2: Yeah. Um, well, part of it, I think the Vikings, they've, first of all, they've been they've been engaging in a lot less play action this year, especially at the beginning of the season where they had a quick strike offense. Um, I think the first four weeks of the season, Kirk Cousins had the fastest time to throw in the league. Now, of course, it's Ben Roethlisberger on the other side of the ball. Um, but uh, they, uh, they've kind of moved away from some of the boot action stuff. When they do do play action, it happens to be bootleg less often. Uh, and so uh, that is – a little bit less of a, um, a, a, of a, of a problem in terms of, you know, how solved, you know, the offense is. Um, so that's still an opportunity. The thing with Pittsburgh is that like their star players are like really good. And then when you get away from who those star players are, it's. You know, a mess. And, and yeah. that's not even necessarily, I mean, they have got some of those players on IR, right? Like it's,
0: you right. know, it's Tyson, all is on IR. Like there's not much you can right. do. The offensive that. line is a mess. Yeah. Uh, I think the rookie left tackle is injured. So they're down. To like the second stringer, uh, um, yeah, and it's it's the not a secondary is who knows what's going on there.
2: Yeah, um, it there's there's a there's a lot of issues on on what's happening on the. I'm going to take a quick look at the R lads, um, but uh, I, I think was it Robert Spillane is coming back, so they might have an inside linebacker too. But um, mm-hmm. you know Devin Bush hasn't been playing very well uh, since his rookie year. You know his come back from injury, wasn't all that great. Um, Kendrick Green is is making as many mistakes as he has highlights. You know. I... <laughs> I'm used to that watching Garrett Bradbury a lot, but Shane Molnar says the tackle is in
0: the guard is hurt.
2: The, oh, okay, great. Uh, so, oh yeah, it's was, it was something like John Leglue, I believe, will be playing. Who I I I first heard of um, two days ago when I had a Steelers guest on the podcast. So John Leglue, uh, LeGlue. it's spelled like an L-E-G-L-U-E. Uh, You know Leglue, right? Bounces so his and a, sticks like, to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you'd think, right? But yeah. I, I guess yeah. he's not that great. But um they've 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 had issues along the offensive line and they're banged up. So yeah, uh that 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 Steelers group is is really interesting cuz you take a look at someone like TJ Watt, like wow, they could they could really, you know, do something. Cameron Hayward, wow, he's one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league. He's incredible. Uh and then you know, well, Chris Wormley's having a good stretch of games, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe, yeah. you know, he'll continue that. But You know, that's kind of the next player on the list besides like Minka Fitzpatrick in terms of in terms of like star defenders. Uh, And so the the drop off is like pretty big uh, in terms of, you know, the the stars versus the non-stars. And that's kind of where the Steelers get hurt. And I think the Vikings can take advantage of that. I mean, the Steelers do a pretty decent job of isolating who the biggest threat on an offense is and attempting to take that player away. Uh, And without Adam Thielen in the lineup. Uh, you know, for this game, that it's going to be a little bit easier to do that to Justin Jefferson. But I still mm-hmm. think, you know, the talent that they have with, you know, their complimentary pass catchers with um, KJ Osborne, who I just mentioned a little bit with Tyler Conklin, you know, they'll good Devin Cook back. I don't know if they want to use him a lot, but, you know, he's okay. in the. Rece- I feel like he's overrated in the receiving game, but he's not bad at it or anything like that. He's okay at it. Um, they'll have options to throw to and, and and be able to take advantage of some of that space. And of course the fullback CJ hand. You know, he he can always catch a ball. Love the
0: fullback. (laughs) Bring him back. They don't have a lot as fullback, though. Pittsburgh has a lot as fullback. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They've got a lot. Yeah, Derek Mm Watt. Which, in terms
2: of football family fullbacks, much better than, uh, was it Chris Gronkowski or Dan Gronkowski? Yeah, he was. who
0: was the fullback, and Dan was also a tight end. My favorite story (laughs) about the Gronkowski family is that the oldest brother is a first baseman. Yeah, that's wild. But the oldest brother played <laughs> yeah. baseball, not football. If he was like a podiatrist, that would be
2: really. Wild. That would be that, even would, that would be really weird. Well, that's that's you like know? a Cooper Manning thing, right? Like Cooper Manning is yeah. like an energy executive or something crazy. Right. right. And right. Nathan
0: Hasselbeck <laughs> used to sell Jaguars on Route Nine, I believe.
1: Speaking <laughs> uh, yeah, of going to that Thanksgiving, doing hey, what do you do? Yeah I, just, I just sell, yeah, I sell cars. It it's okay. Cooper. Cooper had the son. Cooper has the yeah, Cooper, that. yeah. 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 That right. His contribution to the family line.
0: <laughs> um, as we pointed out on yesterday's show, that's why the Mannings can get any college coach in the country to come on the Manning Cast. Like, oh why wow! Why you did you go yeah. on the Manning Cast? <laughs> like until Arch Manning commits, any college <laughs> coach in the country will go on that day. <laughs> Uh, so let's finish up by picking the game. I, I would say I would pick the Vikings. I'm with our numbers. I just, I feel like despite all the bad things that have happened to them, plenty of bad things happen to the Steelers too. I, I just, I do feel like the Vikings one are the better team even without feeling. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> What'd you say about the quarterback?
2: <laughs> you said plenty of bad things have happened to the Steelers and I, one of them is playing quarterback.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, age, I hate to tell you this, but um, uh, now that I'm in my late 40s, the rumor that age ate nothing but a number is not true. So.
3: <laughs> not true. JP, while well, you have a chance, escape find the fountain. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm yeah. hearing you guys yeah, was- talk about this. I'm like, dang, let me relish these years. Hey, you, you- relish them! Relish them! <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that kind of reminds me. Um, this is true for Ben, but I think uh, it reminded me because the Tevin Jenkins news has hit. Uh, the timeline, he feels comfortable, he thinks he's not going to have any problems with his back going forward. And I remember uh, an old draft Twitter guy, Eric Stoner, um, saying that nobody used to have a back problem. Uh, <laughs> right, you once know. you have one, you have one. Yeah, That's you just right. have one, right? Like, Jarek exactly. McKinnon's a great example, right? Um, I, I I think that uh, <laughs> the the injuries piling up for Ben are injuries piling up for Ben, and age is certainly not helping that. So. Um, yeah, that, that's an issue. I, in terms of picking the game, I would say uh, you know there's a reason the Vikings are favored. It is so hard to move on from like the last couple of Vikings performances I've seen. They've been really ugly. Uh, they, I mean, frankly they they've been they've looked like a bad team. But I think fundamentally who the Vikings are, um, they are more talented uh, depth wise and across the board than the Steelers are. Um, and the only thing that'll turn it is that Mike Tomlin's a better coach, which is entirely possible. It's a short week. And so I think better coaches have a better advantage. But I, I, I do think that the Vikings are a better team and have um, higher lows, as it were, when you look across the roster.
3: And Big Ben was complaining about his injuries. He was talking about how hard it will be to get ready for this game and talking about dealing with throwing. And whenever a quarterback starts talking about dealing, dealing with, with throwing, throwing. It's wow. like, are you dealing wow. with typing, like that shouldn't be a problem. Um, but I'm still I'm still going with the Steelers because we're stealing out and because just of my overall distrust of the Minnesota Vikings, I could not possibly endorse them after what I've seen this year. That's um,
1: fair. <laughs> I I have no clue, honestly. I don't trust the Vikings as a team, but I don't trust Big Ben as a quarterback either because, oh. like, one week he'll do what he does to the Ravens, and then the next week he's throwing ducks for out routes. I, and what did he do to the Ravens? He threw like three good passes.
3: I mean,
2: we, you have you have to think that that Ben saw the Monday Night game and was like,
1: "Yes, absolutely, yeah, that is my dream." <laughs> if you just plant the ball off and make me just just let me throw that little three yard slant and let me get <laughs> out of here. especially if it's cold, you know those old bones. You, you, yeah, right. Like, yeah, shit. yeah. Every hit feels like you've broken some bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man. I think I'm gonna go at the Vikings, but I don't feel comfortable about it at all. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's probably gonna end up like an overtime game where just the complete shenanigans happen, and yeah. I'm just gonna be sitting there like, yeah. I am,
0: I am, I am rooting for a team to have two ties. Yeah, I am rooting for a team to have two ties to like totally screw up the playoff race. Oh my gosh! Because that they would, don't I mean, have one win and one loss, and they won't. That would be beautiful, team,
2: especially since a bunch of Vikings fans have picked the team to go eight, eight, and one. Uh, For them to
0: finally find a way to accomplish that, I think would be really fantastic. All right. Thank you. Arif Hasan from The Athletic Minnesota. Check him out on The Athletic Minnesota. Thank you so much for keeping us up to date on Mike's favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, Thanks for having
2: me. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Okay. Well, that was a while of good talk. So let's talk about, let's go quickly through the rest of the games of this week, shall we? Let's do it. it. Let's start with Baltimore at Cleveland, which is the most important game of the week for the playoff odds. The Ravens make the playoffs 94% of the time with a win and 67% with a loss. The Browns 38% with a win, 8% with a loss, even though um, DVOA thinks the Browns are the slightly better team, better on offense and defense. Baltimore, of course, is number one in special teams because they're Baltimore. Baltimore. These teams played just two weeks ago, and the Ravens won 16-10, to although Cleveland actually had the higher DVOA for the game. The big thing in that game, I thought, was the Ravens had 148 rushing yards, led by Lamar Jackson at 68. The Browns only had 40. So the Ravens actually had a terrible passing game in that win, but they won
1: because of rushing. Two weeks ago, if you would have asked me what was the best, worst football game of the season, I would have said this. But then the uh, Patriots-Bills game happened. <laughs> but now that this game is happening again, this, it'll probably end the same way. Um, I just really have no idea what to think of Cleveland's offense. There's too many people injured. Their run game is really good. They're third in our rush, rushing offense DVOA, but their passing game is 19th. Baker Mayfield really hasn't really – Recovered from his injuries and also from his own limitations as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's helped by having a roster with Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples Jones as your top two receiving options. They could be facing a get right game with this Bengals, not Bengals, the Ravens secondary, because legitimately, I don't think there's anybody healthy in that secondary. Marlon Humphreys off the season, torn peck. And when I checked the injury report today, Anthony Averett didn't participate in practice. Calvin. Kelvin Seymour was limited. Brandon Stevens was limited. Chris Westry was full participant. And Anthony Levine did not participate. They have four Jimmy or five. Smith. <laughs> Jimmy Smith might play. I don't know. There's like five legitimate DBs healthy for them right now. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for them at this point. Because yeah. they've just been hit with injury after injury after injury. And somehow they're still like have a legit shot at making the playoffs, which is incredible coaching. But the best shot, they have the best shot in the division. They have the lead in the division, so they have the best shot. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Browns passing offense kind of goes against this Ravens passing like secondary. It's kind of like your weakness going up against their weakness. It could be one of your best games, or it could end up being what we saw two weeks ago.
3: And the flip side is the utterly glitching Ravens offense, which has no running backs unless you count my 2013 fantasy team, and now has no tackles because they lost their tackle, and they're trying to put Villanueva, who's toast, on both sides at this point. So I feel sorry for the Ravens because they robbed us of a team that is usually fun to watch and exciting at the top of the playoff chase. And while they're still at the top of the playoff chase, they're no longer fun to watch and exciting. You talk about that bad, good football game. What was it? Five turnovers in like eight plays before halftime. I, I that, that was, was the Mac. That was
1: action on Sunday night.
3: <laughs> that was that was chaos. And it was like high school football. Some of the way things that were going on there. So, you know, I this is a game I would normally be circling and all. And I'm sort of dreading it because what I would love to happen is forty five to forty two. And we don't have to talk about Baker Mayfield anymore. He's a franchise quarterback. We don't have to talk about Lamar anymore. He's still like MVP caliber guy. I don't think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get another muck fast.
0: And I'll, yeah. I'll point out to everybody if you haven't checked Football Outsiders today, you should check Football Outsiders today. There's a really good film room from Derek Klassen on what is going on with Lamar Jackson. Some of it is he's just not pulling the string on uh, open receivers. Some of yeah. it is just bad play design. Like somebody on the internet put up a play, video of a play where they ended up with two receivers within like two yards of each other. Just like. Mm-hmm. Play design's not working. Receivers running routes that are like mushy like without really definite cuts. Just kind of go into areas mm-hmm. and just kind of be in there. And then the offensive line problems as well. So yeah, he points Lamar. out all of that. Do you feel that Lamar Jackson has
1: maxed out as an above average quarterback? I don't I don't think so because I think the Ravens offense asks him to do a whole lot in terms yes. of they only have five-man protections. They don't really have a running game. Their receivers really aren't that stupendous. So it's really just, Lamar, go do something cool. And yeah. you kind of saw it a few weeks ago against Miami, where the Dolphins are just like, yeah, we're just going to blitz because they can't block us. Right. And against Cleveland, they're going to be faced with the same thing because in that last game they played against the Browns, the Ravens could not block the Browns with four. And they're right. doing like a lot of five-man protections which really isn't working or, ha- or helping at all.
0: They, uh, I don't yes. think at, Patrick Sealer points out the Ravens need a blitz beater audible. Yes. The Ravens are blitzed more than any other offense in the league. And it, yeah. works.
1: it works a lot. And right. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, like what Derek said, like Lamar, not pulling the strings, but I also do think Greg Roman's passing game design is like my brother when we design plays on Madden. It's it's really not that great right now. They're kind of just <laughs> – it's just kind of it's just – not bad. a
3: comparison you want to hear in the National what's, Football League. What's your league? brother do when he designs plays on Madden?
1: What's the key mistake he makes? So he likes – he goes five wide. He's very air raid, spread offense. Okay. But the problem is, like, he'll overload everybody to one side. So, like, okay. two people in the same area. It's starting to sound a lot like Greg Roman yeah. when you hear it. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I just keep going back to a play. I think I don't think it was the Miami game, but I think it was a few games after where two Ravens receivers collided while running a route. And if that's like what's happening to you in your passing offense, you need to redesign the entire thing.
3: Right. Because
1: that's that's literally the one thing you don't want to happen. So, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Ravens kind of scheme up passing against this Browns front. And their defensive line has been really good. Browns minus two. Uh, the fo plus picks did
0: go with the Ravens slightly, but I'm going with the Browns personally. I would put money on the Browns on this game. Same.
1: Same I game think them, I think I'm going to go Ravens just because. Again, I really don't think that uh, Browns offense is very good. I I really I don't trust them at all. And if you they could if they couldn't run on the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. If they can't run the ball this week on the skeleton Ravens defense, then they're probably cooked on offense.
0: Uh, Las Vegas at Kansas City. Here's another rematch. 1 p.m. Raiders make the playoffs 29% of the time with a win, 7% with a loss. Kansas City, uh, 94% of the time with a win, 74% of the time with a loss. Uh, We'll just do this one quick. I have a feeling we all feel fairly similarly. The Chiefs' defense has been super hot over the last few weeks. The offense is still not quite back to where we think they should be. They're not even close to back to where we should be. But the one game where they were was against the Raiders, where they just picked on Jonathan Abram. And by the way, the Raiders, you know how everyone's playing two high safeties? They wouldn't play two high safeties against the Chiefs except on third down. So Mahomes on first and second was just bing, 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 bing. Mm-hmm. So, and the Kansas City defensive weaknesses, by the way, they're 28th against running backs as receivers, but Kenyon Drake is now out for the year. Yeah, And they're 21st against tight ends, but no Darren Waller.
1: <laughs> so I kind of think of this Raiders defense as kind of like, you know how high schools have like play renditions of Broadway musicals? Yeah. The Raiders' defense is a high school rendition of the 2015 Legion of Boom where all they do, run is cover three, uh, but they're yeah. not good at it. Right. Like, they're yeah. not good. Their front four can get pressure, but their coverage isn't good at all. That's right. what you saw against the Chiefs where if you're, to, if you're going to live in single high, you have to have the dudes who can live in single high. You have to have guys who can carry that third receiver vertical and it's at the second level. No, Nate
0: Hobbs is having a nice rookie year, but – He's not that good, and Desmond Trufant is
3: old, and yeah, it's not. And Abraham is not, is not Cam chancellor.
1: As exactly. They wouldn't want K.J. Wright to kind of be their holdover from that 2015 Legion of Boom. So <laughs> it's going to be – I really am starting to get a little concerned about the Chiefs' offense because they haven't really found ways to beat too high yet successfully. I think uh, Bryce Rosser from Sports Info Solutions said the Chiefs face the lightest boxes in the NFL, but they're 25th in EPA per rush in 11 personnel, and then they're 27th in EPA in short passes against quarters coverage. That's what they're seeing a lot. And the mm-hmm. way to get, at, get defense added too high is you run the ball well, or you get them out of it in short passes. That way you bring another defender into the zone to right. kind of stop those quick routes, or you bring another defender to stop up the gaps in the run game. I think what Kansas City probably has to do is go under center and run the ball. I think they're really good at that. Their personnel is designed to do that on the offensive line. Creed Humphrey is playing at an all-pro level as a rookie at center. Trey Smith is a really good run-blocking guard. Orlando Brown is a good run-blocker. Mm-hmm. I think they need to get to that under center run game a little more to kind of bury it up, kind of mix it up a little bit. So, so here, here's good. the
0: thing about this game. It's a nine-and-a-half point line. So I think we all feel very confident about Kansas City winning. But if you had to put money on this game on the point spread, Kansas City minus nine and a half.
3: Mm, that's a lot. That is that's a lot. lot. But they're lot. also missing Darren Waller. Like Right. And and their their offense recently has turned into hope for pass interference. Yeah. yeah. That is the Raiders offense at this point. Uh, I would – lean towards the Chiefs and lay the points, but I'm not happy about it.
1: Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think i go Chiefs. I yeah, think I'm kind of there too. Right.
0: Uh, San Francisco at Cincinnati, 4 p.m. 49ers make the playoffs 90% of the time with a win, 67% with a loss. Bengals, 57% of the time with a win, 28% of the time with a loss. I pointed out yesterday that San Francisco's remaining schedule is like a parade of all the teams that DVOA does not like as much as the public. Cincinnati, (laughs) Tennessee, Atlanta. So this is my pick of the week. If we do the video pick of the week, uh, we'll go out on Twitter at some point. San Francisco actually started as Cincinnati minus one. It's now moved all the way to San Francisco minus one and a half. Uh, I just think San Francisco is the better team. Oh,
1: it's up to two now. San Francisco minus two. I can no longer choose anything with the Bengals because they are that uh, knife kid meme where the kid's running around and the mom's like, what do you have? And the kid's like, a knife! And the mom goes, no! Because there are only two things that can happen. Like, either something good is going to happen or something terrible is going to (laughs) happen. Last week, something terrible happened with the Bengals where they just completely imploded. And that's like one of the things we've talked about the Bengals is they're very high variance. Like you don't know which team you're going to get. Yep. I don't know how you can trust this Bengals team, especially in offense. If their number ones aren't winning on the outside. So Mike,
3: are you saying that you're worried about Joe Burrow's pinky? I'm worried about Joe Burrow's pinky. I mean, on top of the value added for all the other worries I would have. Yes. I'm, I'm making my pinky swear here that you have the league leader in interceptions, Joe Burrow. Uh, and he's, He's playing with a damaged throwing hand. So if you're looking for any value added to saying, you know, take the Niners, that's it.
0: Although there does need to be a parenthetical. The league leader in interceptions, parentheses, because the Jets have started three
3: different guys. Right. (laughs) But that's every NFL season. There's like a half dozen teams who the league leader in interceptions was benched, you know. I'll point out the Bengals' defense.
0: Here are two weaknesses you don't want to have against San Francisco. 24th against tight ends. Mm. 29th against passes in the middle.
1: Mm -hmm. And and Logan Wilson is probably going to be out for this game. He got hurt in the uh, Chargers game, got carted off. He's their best linebacker who can do a lot of versatile things. He's been actually really good this season. But if you can't tackle and you can't cover the middle of the field against the Niners, then Kyle Shanahan is going to put your middle defenders in a blender. And I really just think that's going to happen. He's going to have Jermaine Pratt like in the phantom zone. By the yeah, time San
0: Francisco San Francisco all the way is my pick on this one. I'm taking I'm it now before
3: the line moves any further, so
1: I'm going San Francisco.
0: Uh now the game of the week, let's talk about the game of the week. San Francisco's D is weak, Joey sucks points out against number 1 and number 2 wideouts. So right. that is their weakness, but right. overall they're just the better team. And also that small chance that Cincinnati is going to be forced to use uh, Brandon Allen in this game. Holy hell. Right. right. Uh, biggest game of the week, Buffalo at Tampa Bay. Playoff odds don't matter. I mean, there's still a chance of Buffalo not making the playoffs, but this is the most important game of the week for Super Bowl odds. So we put the Super Bowl, making the Super Bowl odds as our graphic. Buffalo makes the Super Bowl 16% if they win, 9% if they lose, Tampa Bay 31% if they win, 24% if they lose. Um yeah, here you go, man. This is the, the best offense by DVOA versus the best defense by DVOA. By DVOA.
3: And uh, I I posted on Twitter uh, the stat that matters for me for Buffalo uh, earlier. is that in late and close situations on offense and defense, I believe the Buffalo offense in late and close is at 28th overall, and the Buffalo offense is 26th overall in late and close. The defense is 26th. 20, uh, 26 offense the, is 28th. Offense is 28th. Um, and that's kind of an explanation for, to a degree, not not explicitly what we saw on Monday, but also what we saw against the Titans and what we saw against the Jaguars and what we saw against the Steelers earlier in the year. And I've seen it enough times now to not be like, ah, that's just, like, like Arif said about the Vikings, that's just a bunch of stuff that happened. But, like, that's a deficiency on the part of the Bills. Going up against Tom Brady, who you know is pretty good in late and close situations.
1: And I, what well, I will say for the Bills is I do think in their matchup against Tampa's defense – it kind of skews in their favor a little bit, but yeah. not mainly, not mainly because of how like good they are. But Tampa Bay's run defense is really good. So mm-hmm. the Bills don't have to worry about running the ball. Right. Don't don't try it. I don't want to see any Devin Singletary carries, no Zach Moss. If you're gonna run the ball, <laughs> use Josh Allen. That's the one yeah. thing that I think they didn't do against New England is use Josh Allen in the run game more. But yeah, what the hell? Yeah, like <laughs> six five, two forty quarterback and you're just refusing to run run him and no read options
3: just design scrambles there was also like no end around game there didn't seem to be a very robust screen game nothing you say well we got to do this because of the win we have to like diversify none of that was put in
0: patrick seeley says do you believe in the idea that brady gets better later in the year i mean i know that i've done work in the past showing that the patriots as a
1: team have always gotten better later in the year yeah i'm not Whatever shadow deep theory that I can find on Reddit about Tom Brady now, I just believe it because every <laughs> time I think that I'm that he's wrong, that they're wrong about something, Brady ends up going and doing it. I thought he was done after uh New England when we threw that pick six in the playoffs. Obviously not. I'm just gonna say everything that Tom Brady says he's gonna do, he's probably gonna do it. I, I stopped not having faith in him. So like Joey if he gets yeah. Tampa
0: Bay's rush DVOA is
1: number two. Like they
0: can do everything on offense. Tampa Bay can do everything on offense. They're yeah. good at every
1: position on offense. Yeah, and they can that run game does not set up well for Buffalo's run defense. No, because like we said last week, Buffalo is a very finesse team, and they got punched in the mouth by New England repeatedly on Monday. Like right. that, Mac Jones threw the ball three times. You can. If you win a game by throwing the ball three times, like, come on. And, and- I think it's interesting.
0: Buffalo has the highest pressure rate on defense by PFR, yep, Tampa yep. Bay. Lowest pressure rate on offense, of course, because Brady gets rid of the ball easily. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great contrast of styles and yeah. quality, it, like strength against strength when the Buffalo defense it, it takes on the Tampa offense. Um, when the Buffalo offense is on the field, I mean, I feel like this is a better matchup for them than the Patriots because they want to throw the ball, and Tampa's had Mm -hmm. the injuries at secondary all year.
1: Yep. I saw Um, uh, Richard Sherman is cross-training at safety now. That's interesting. I mean, a lot of players have gone from corner to safety when they get older. Right. But this could also be due to Tampa not really having a lot of healthy DBs.
0: Yeah. I will point out Tampa's defense by down goes fifth on first down, tenth on second down, 22nd on third down.
3: Right. That's also a high volatility number potentially. Yeah. Right? But third down defense is higher volatility. No question about but it. When JP, when you talk about, oh, well, just stop running the ball, up, maybe, you know, run a little bit of zone read. Then you're just getting one dimensional against a great pass rush when your offensive mm-hmm. line is getting pushed around. So that, that's a, like, I, c- I can see the, yeah, Josh Allen, he'll just, he'll just launch the ball downfield and he'll, he'll beat the secondary with digs and everything like that. Or he'll get sacked or he'll start scrambling around. Or that simply won't be enough, even if he gets some good plays.
1: I think that's the deal you signed up with with Josh Allen. That's that's yeah. kind of the deal with the devil you make. You get you either get the really cool plays or he throws the ball 40 yards down the field to a fullback, right? But it,
3: but if you're unbalanced to that degree and you're just relying on that, relying on that against this pass rush, that's yeah, he's that's gonna awesome. get
1: ugly. Yeah. It's going to be so, interesting how they uh, scheme against this uh, Tampa defense because I do think they're going to involve Josh Allen a lot more in the run game because they have to. But, or if they
3: scheme against Tampa's defense. I don't think they schemed. Against, I, I don't see, like, a scheme against these better teams that they face. I think they just go out and do what they do.
1: <laughs> just go out and Josh Allen go do something. Go, cool. go.
3: Tampa favored now by
0: three and a half.
1: Yeah, do it. Do it. You're on Tampa? On Tampa. I'm off
0: Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo because Buffalo is so ridiculously inconsistent this year that I could see them all of a sudden playing really well or playing like crap or playing a close game that they lose by three points. I like the hook. I like having the three and a half. I would take Buffalo plus three and
3: a half. All right. Nope. I'm off Buffalo. I
0: would take, if I'm going money line, I would take Tampa. All right. I don't trust Buffalo. I'm going to go Tampa. Right. I'm going to skip Chicago at Green Bay because middle finger to all the Chicago fans who watch Chicago on Sunday nights and make them constantly schedule Chicago on Sunday nights and not flex them out. Let's finish up with the LA Rams at Arizona. This is another one that's more important for the Super Bowl. Rams reached the Super Bowl 7% of the time with a win, 5% with loss. Cardinals 26% with a win, 17% with a loss. Rams are sixth in DVOA. Arizona is fifth, but they would be third if we weren't
1: including the McCoy games on offense. Right. This is going to be a really fun game, and I think a lot of it is because I think the Rams kind of got their swagger back a little bit. Of course, they played Jacksonville, but it was a 37-7, like, thorough, like, beatdown. And I think one of the things that stood out to me was they got back to doing their under-center bootleg play action. They They ran leak. In the past game, which I hadn't seen them do like all year from under center because they're not an under center team predominantly. They went 6 OL with two tight ends a bunch of yeah. times under center? Like they, they were getting back to that McVay under center like wide right. zone scheme, which I think is going to help them vary up what they can do in the passing game. Right. Um, Arizona, I still don't believe in their run defense, especially with J.J. Watt still not, gonna, not playing for the rest of the season. But where they get where they do really well is against the pass because they have so many versatile guys. Against mm-hmm. they have so many poker chips they can just push at. Where you can have Isaiah Simmons rush the passer, or you can carry your tight end vertical. You have Jordan Hicks is still going to play the middle of the field. Jalen Thompson, Buddha Baker, and Byron Murphy are really good on the secondary. And then Chandler Jones is still Chandler Jones. So yeah. this is going to be a really fun matchup between the Rams offense kind of getting back into their swing of things, and the Cardinals defense, who has been really, really good this year. Yes. Uh, I will point
0: out one stat I looked up. Arizona is second on offense, and the Rams defense is 30th on defense on short middle passes. Mm, The Cardinals don't use them that much. In the first game, most of those passes went to Max Williams, which means now Zach Ertz, baby. Upgrade. Zach Ertz prop in this game. Joey Sech points out the Rams are 26th in DVOA against number one receivers, which seems really surprising for a team having Ramsey. I mean, so, I'm guessing if we had the coverage stats, we yeah. would find that that was all passes where Ramsey was not covering that guy. So
1: that's what I was thinking. That's what I was going to say. But they move Ramsey around and use him in a lot of different ways. Yeah, they use Jalen Ramsey a lot of different ways. What they, where mm-hmm. they have him now, what kind of Brandon Staley leaned into last year and what Raheem Morris doing this year, they're putting him in the nickel more, which is getting him more involved – Like Closer to the action, which is where you want your best players. But the drawback to that is when you throw the ball, you can throw the ball to your number one receiver now because Jalen Ramsey is guarding him. I like, feel like it's
3: going to be Rams. It's going to be Ramsey on nuke. You're not going to do that here. They're only see Rondell Moore around. Like they're that.
0: only 26th in DVOA against number one wide receivers. But the first time these two teams met, Hopkins mm-hmm. had only 67 yards.
1: I mean, 67 right. yards is a good game, but it's not what you want for DeAndre Deion. Hopkins. Right, right. I mean, it would be kind of hilarious for Jalen Rams to be following around five seven yeah. Rondell Moore. Right, <laughs> just, right. Just all the right. High difference alone.
3: Yeah, and, but, and and wind up getting beaten on these little passes and everything while Nukes beating like the, the nickel guy. It's, it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> Patrick Seely believes the Rams are the more desperate team. Okay, I've never been a big believer in more desperate no. team. I believe these guys are professionals and they go out to win. Both sides should go out to win every game. I mean, you know, unless it's the end of the year and you're out of playoff. Yeah. yeah. This is obviously an important game for the playoff race for both teams. I think both teams are pretty desperate to win a Super Bowl is what they
3: are. Yeah. yeah. Based on desperation, like the Falcons (laughs) would be The Rams definitely, like, dominate this
0: up front. They are – the ESPN stats are kind of remarkable. The Rams lead the league in pass rush win rate and run stop win rate. Mm. They're second in pass block win rate and they're fifth in run block win rate. So they're up front. Right. It makes sense when you have the quality offensive line and Aaron Donald
1: like yeah. Their up front is really rocking. Right. And now you can add Von Miller and Leonard Floyd so you can't double team Aaron Donald anymore. Like that's something that I saw against Jacksonville which is kind of like partially due to Jacksonville choosing not to double-team Aaron Donald, which is good football, just mm-hmm. smart football. Yeah. But it's also due, due in part to the scheme. I think adding Vaughn Miller and Leonard Floyd, you can either choose to double-team Aaron Donald and have Vaughn Von or Leonard Floyd go one-on-one with your tackle, or you can do double-team or slide protect to one side and you potentially leave Aaron Donald one-on-one, which we know how that goes. Right. I don't know if Arizona's offensive line is going to be up to the task especially against this new uh LA front because this is going to be the first time they've seen Von Miller. Right, one. there was no Von Miller in the week 4 when they won
0: 37-20. Right.
3: I am having a hard time putting 15 points on the board for Von Miller though as, as much as a difference that is. The, the the Cardinals took care of the business pretty well in that game and and they were able to like control the clock and everything later in that game as well. So, you know, that upgrade aside, I still see the Cardinals on top of this.
0: So Cardinals are favored by
3: two and a half.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess
1: I'd lean Cardinals. It's a really close one. I think the Cardinals are a better team. I think I'm, I'm going to go Arizona.
3: I think the Cardinals are a better team. By the way, the props are not listed yet. You mentioned props for Zach, Zach yeah, Ertz. Yeah. No okay. player props yet. I will keep uh, it's so frustrating. I
0: know they don't, they don't list Monday games until like Friday or something.
3: Right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. But I'm leaning Cardinals. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate everybody watching. I really appreciate all the comments we got during the show. If you're listening to us after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, don't forget the only way you can ask us questions during the show is to watch live 1 p.m. Eastern every weekday
3: and then comment through YouTube or Twitch. They can ask the questions. We just simply cannot answer because we are disembodied ghosts. Right, you could
0: you could plans. be driving in
3: your car
0: and just talking to your car radio and pretending it's us, but we cannot respond. So watch the show live and we can actually respond to your questions. Don't forget, by the way, limited time offer on FO+, 99 cents a week for an annual subscription in this corner, you'll see. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to get that and make sure that you subscribe to this show on your favorite app or podcast app or wherever you're watching us right now. Scott Spratt will be here tomorrow to get you ready for DFS action. I will be back on Monday to review week 14. Uh, Try to enjoy what should be a close game between Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Maybe ugly, but it's going to be close. It will be. All Minnesota games are close. It will be. going to be close. So enjoy it, and we'll be back with the Football Outsiders Livecast tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern. Bye-bye, everybody.